I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana, and today I have a very special guest, Ms. Raydel Lacey, Ms. Ray, as she likes to go by, and Ms. Ray has really important work that she's doing, and that's what we're going to talk about today. She's in Chicago, and she started an organization called Not Before My Parents in 2012. And Ms. Ray, why don't you start by telling us what Not Before My Parents does, why you decided to start Not Before My Parents. Pretty nice uh, meeting you and speaking with you today. I, uh, I started Not Before My Parents in 2012. But prior to that, 23 years ago, my daughter was murdered, Elonda Lacey. She was 21 years old. She had two children. They were two or three at the time. And uh, she was killed right in front of her two children. Oh. So, yeah. And after that, I had to raise her children. And so in 2012, I decided to uh, start Not Before My Parents. And it was supposed to them to perform an arts because that was my daughter's passion performing arts, dancing, singing, acting, directing, and writing. And it's sort of my passion as well. So, but the uh, organization took a turn and uh, I started attending countless funerals of children that were being murdered. I uh, shared my coping skills with parents who uh, had experienced the same type of trauma because I had firsthand experience on knowing what it felt like to lose a child and for your child to die before you, right. which really doesn't go together. Anytime you have a child's murder and the parent is still alive, that's not a good look. Absolutely. But anyway, so in 2012, I started attending uh, grief support groups, going around to different funerals, as I, as I stated, sharing my, uh, my story everywhere I went. And it just didn't seem like it was enough. It just right. didn't seem like it was enough. So I, my, my grandson, who was just murdered, Two years ago, Eric Lacey Jr., he was one of my little helpers. He was 19 years old. He was riding in the back of the car with some friends. He was a candy lover. They was on their way to the convenience store to, to buy candy. He had just got off of work that morning. Mm-hmm. And that afternoon, they were going to the store. And in the neighborhood where he was going to the store, some guys were uh, shooting up the neighborhood and uh, shot into a car that he was uh, riding in uh, with three other young people, and uh, he was shot in the back of the head, and uh, he died instantly. Another young lady, she got shot in the back four times, but she lived, fortunately. She lived, uh, which was a good thing. And as a matter of fact, she had just met my grandson that day. And so um, that's what happened. But the uh, the name of the organization that's what I that's what I skipped over. It yeah. came from in 2012 as I continued to 
speak with the mothers and the siblings of murdered children. And so that's where the name Not Before My Parents came from because I started thinking, I said, all my children are dying and we are their parents and it just doesn't go together. When I was coming up, I'm 62 years old. When I was coming up, that never happened. Right. That never happened where a child would, would get killed. Maybe a child might die from an unknown disease or cancer or something like that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But not to get shot or stabbed or, you know, murdered in that, in that order. Right. So anyway, so in 2016, my grandson was murdered. And uh, he before he got murdered, he was, he was my, um, I call him my little right-hand man. Because he <laughs> would go around and tell people about not before my parents. And he would wear the T-shirts and he would sell the T-shirts. So we have T-shirts and a hat that we sell to people just to uh, promote the awareness of all the violence that's going on among our uh, young children. And mm-hmm. also to uh, put money to the side to help, you know, uh, children and promote the uh, organization. So uh, it, it was really unfortunate that he was like my little sidekick and he was going around spreading the word to his teachers, to people on the streets to his mm. classmates, and then he comes up murder. That's just heartbreaking, Ms. Hay. Yeah, just yeah. So, so um, much loss. Yeah. So then uh, my son, my oldest son, that was his son, uh, we went to the funeral, and something happened. My son stood up, and you know, when your child gets murdered, for me, when my daughter got murdered, I had so much anger inside me, in my heart, I, I, I told God I would never pray again. I would never go to church. I would never honor or anything like that again. You know, and thank yeah. God, you know, I'm not really a real religious person, but I do believe in God. I believe that he was saying, oh, you're just speaking out of pain because I'm a human <laughs> being. Sure. You know, so my son stood up and he said, I don't, I don't want justice like this. I don't want anyone to go and hurt anybody because I don't want anybody to feel what I'm feeling right now or what my mother has has felt or still feeling about my sister. And right. I, I, I couldn't believe that he said that because when I lost my daughter, I couldn't speak like that, you know? Right. So it, it, it was a sort of a, kind of like a relief for me because I didn't know what I was going to do to help my son get through the death of his son because it's so, such a horrific feeling to lose a child, yeah. you know? And so um, time went on, and uh, he, uh, he also had a, a little boy himself, his little son. He was, uh, I think he turned one year old the day after uh, Eric Jr. got murdered. And they uh-huh. still proceeded with the birthday party for the little boy. And so days and days and months went on. And one day I came to, I went to uh, McDonald's because my son used to play chess every uh-huh. day. After work, before work or whatever, play chess every day. And one day I walked in, I was like, Lord, I just really want to find a solution to this senseless killings. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and I saw my son and I never seen him cry, not even at the funeral. And he's introvert uh, kid. Right. And I looked at him and he was so focused and he seemed so content and so settled and it dropped in my spirit. Yes, wow. that's another tool to help you with your solution to the virus that was going on in the communities. And wow. I said, okay, wow, that's, that's, that's cool. So I um, started the chess club. The name of the chess club is uh, uh, not before my parents' chess club. 
But <laughs> the theme came from seeing all all the children playing chess. I mean, my son playing chess with with some of the young kids and and some of his structures. So we named it Chess Moves Against Violence. Nice. Bring your strategic move to the table with a solution. Wow. Or put their minds in a strategic method of thinking so they can think before they react to violent situations. So that's how all that came about. Wow, just one revelation after another. How amazing that you must have passed something on to your son that gave him the fortitude and the inner strength to reach for something other than anger in that moment of grief. That definitely had something to do with you. And then for you to have this revelation that chess could play a sort of strategic and critical role for kids around violence is is an amazing full circle in some way. Thank you so much because you know I thought about that. I was like, where did he where did he get this from? And I it might have been from him watching me go through my steps of, of grief because uh, when it first happened, I lost a lot of weight, like forty pounds within a couple of months and stuff. And wow. um, and then with with me going to the support groups. Uh, which helps a lot, uh, parents or or just not parents, just siblings, because uh, sure. a lot of times we we forget about the children, we forget about the siblings right. that we know we understand that the the parent is going through a lot and and dealing with a lot because it's horrific because that parent carries their child for nine months, but we we That's we right. tend to forget about the siblings and the little children that we still have at home. And so that was another reason why I needed that tool of chess to help me because I needed to help the smaller children, the siblings, you know, or the, the, the babies. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think he got that from me because just one day I just woke up and I just had to strip. I ended up praying about it. I ended up asking God to, you know, help me. You know, I can't, I can't do this by myself. I know yeah. what I said in the past and I would never pray and stuff. But I need you to help me. Right. I need you to get through the For several years now, I've, been, I've had this incredible privilege of working with grandmothers in Africa who have lost their adult children to AIDS and who have to get yeah, up the next yeah. morning with all that grief and they have to look after all the grandchildren. One of the things I've learned from grandmothers in sub-Saharan Africa is a lot what I'm hearing from you is that there's this extraordinary period of grief and just the the incredulity, how incredible it is to lose your child. And particularly the yeah. moment where you're receiving support from your children too, your adult children, and then have to deal with all of that grief. And what has really inspired me, but also amazes me, the triumph of the human spirit over such desperate moments. Yes. And you just said something that, that made me remember, I, mean, I don't know how I forgot you, that during the time when my daughter was murdered, I had two small children of my own because I had six children and four of my children were adults. And I had my other two children later on and like like 12 years later after my last child. Right. So I had I had a, a two-year-old and three-year-old of my, of my daughters. And then I think my children were like five and six. When my, when my daughter got murdered. So, and that was their sister, and I was taking care of their uh, niece and nephew, wow. you know. So I had four small children that I had to try to raise uh, yeah. through all that grief and pain yeah. and uh, agony that, that was going on within me. I'm in awe of you, Ms. Ray, because I know how much it takes to just 
look after your own family, but now you've created this larger family of all these other children and young adults who need a place to go or through you are finding a place to go to do something else with their own feelings and their own needs. And so tell me how, I I mean, I think it's such a brilliant idea, chess. Tell me what you see happening when the kids are playing chess. I see them being happy. I I see them being content. I see them being focused. And the thing with the police station, that really wasn't my idea at first. I had met this police officer before, and uh, I was going to meet the alderman and and the uh, coffee with a cop. And I ran across these two officers, and this one officer, Officer Wilson, I never forget, and Officer Samson, and they were like, "Oh, you 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 got to bring a chest to the uh, the police station, this and that." And mind you, I, you know, I'm not too fun. I wasn't too fun of the police the police department and especially not my son. He really, because he had some bad encounters with them, but now it's, it's a totally different story to our family. And to make a long story short, I just, I, I, I see that as a police station, we, we have the kids at the police station because they get such a bad rap. And, and so does uh, our children, especially being African-American. Right. And what I want, what I want to do and what I see now is that, we, they're building a, a great relationship together. It's like when they, when they come there, it's like, I'm at home. I, I would, you know, cause some of the children don't have uh, fathers in the home. I'm at home right. with my daddy cause they look at the police officers being their dad because they sit down, they, they have a, 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 a gentle dialogue with them. They initiate a sense of uh, care for them. And my thing is that I, I see that they're accepting them because they, they're not seeing the police officers dragging that father out the house in, in handcuffs or dragging right. their the brother out the house with, in handcuffs or, right. or beating them or strength, you know, choking them. Or, so they're seeing a nice, softer side of the police officers. So I see the tenderness there. I see the care there with the children. I see, the you know, them being relaxed and able to... Uh, like if they have a situation, they can they can speak with the officers, or they can speak with me, or the instructors, or my son, you know, and and, and talk about whatever's going on with them. Not only do we teach chess, but we mentor these kids. You know, we sit down and and if a kid has a bad grade, they can't play chess. You can come there, but you can't play chess. No, you cannot. Oh, do kids come in angry? Ms. Ray, do they, what do you do with them if you, kids come in and you see they're holding anger? We have had a, a couple of guys that got into like a, a verbal match, not a physical match, but a verbal match. And we, uh, we pull them to the side and we take them in the back uh, individually, like myself or my son or one of the instructors. And we go and talk to them. We go and talk to them. We ask them what's going on, what's going on at home, what's going on inside, what's going on in school. Let's talk about this. You know, we put them in that strategic mind of thinking before they react. Think, think, think. Right. And I guess that's that's a big part of why chess is so powerful is because they're... Yeah, it's a thinking strategy. game. Yeah. Right. And how... So tell me a bit about that because I, I, I actually saw an interview with you, which is how I thought about getting in touch with you because I was so fascinated by what you were saying about how how it gets the kids to stop and think and to be strategic and how that's connected to anti-violence. Well, you know, 
say you're watching basketball. Okay. Nine out of ten times, you're going to see someone hit somebody, get in a fight, the whole nine yards. Am right. I correct? Absolutely. When you're sitting at a chess table, you don't see anybody get outside their body. You don't see anybody hitting anybody. Right. You see someone over there focused and thinking, I want to beat him. And the only way he can beat him is to think strategically of his next move. Not with his fist, not with a gun. You can only think with your mind when it comes to this game. That makes so much sense. You know, I want to ask you about being a grandmother. What do the kids call you? Do they call you grandma? No, they call me Nana. Excellent. They call me Nana. N-A-N-A. Nana. Nice. And and do the other kids that come to chess, are are you Nana to everyone? No, not to everyone. Some of them call me Nana and some of them call me Miss Ray. Right. And and so you've got all these kids. How many grandchildren do you have of your own? I have 27 grandchildren. Wow. And nine great-grandchildren. Wow. And do your grandchildren play chess too? Are you teaching, are you and your kids teaching them chess? I have a couple of grandchildren that that do play chess because I have some adult grandchildren. My grandchildren are sort of like almost the same age as my two last children. You can have a whole chess club just with your... your... Yes, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you something else. We only uh, allow the, uh, from six-year-olds, and up, right? But what we do with the children that's under six years old, what we do is we teach them the name of the pieces and we, we allow them to clean up, you know, put the chess pieces up and put them in the plastic bags and everything and put everything away and put the boards away. That's what we allow them to do until they're old enough to, to be able to sit still and concentrate and learn how to play chess. Oh, that's beautiful. So they get, they get a role too. Yes, they get a role. Like my three-year-old grandson, yeah. He knows all the pieces. He knows all the name of the pieces. He's oh. three. Oh, that's just brilliant. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. Do you talk to other grandmothers and nanas in the community? Are they involved in some way too? Uh, some, of, some of the mothers are, some of the grandmothers are. They, they, uh, they bring their, their uh, grandchildren to the, to the chess club. Some of them come and volunteer and they help because we feed the children too. That's great. Every, every, uh, Every uh, second Tuesday, especially at the police station, like May 8th, we're having a, a huge event, and uh, we're going to feed some pizza. Oh, yeah, yeah. because it was a good meal. Sure, because you can't concentrate Thank if your belly's not full. Yeah, yeah, and so we're, and we have an after-school program, too, with chess. Wow. Do you get any support, or how are you funding all of this that you're doing? Who's well, I do a lot of it out, from my, out of my pocket. Uh, I do the police station. We split it down the middle, and they uh, they are such a big help because they. Uh, by the time I get off of work, because I work a full time job, I'm a laborer at a construction company. So when I get off of work, they have everything almost set up. They go get the food, you know. We, they, we pool our money together. We go. They go get the food while I'm at work, and they set up everything. When the kids come in, we have certain kids that will put all the set all the boards up, set all the pieces up. So everything is ready by the time I get there. It seems to me listening to you that you're really the powerhouse behind all of this. You're the one who's mm-hmm. has the ideas and ex- coming up with new ideas and bringing people together and bringing people in. And, and it sounds like you've got your son helping you too, but you don't know. Well, the police department, they, they, play, they play a huge, they play a huge role in it too as yeah. well. And then we have other organizations uh, within the community 
it also uh, participates in, in and do they part uh, in the community, bring the community together in the police department. And see, one of the main things that we want to do, we didn't not only want the children to look at the policemen different and see the softer kind of side of them, we also want the police department to see their children through our children's eyes. Right. Yeah, they, they also, everybody uh, pulls in and, and, and works together. Like I said, we have other organizations that do other things like events and festivals and programs throughout the uh, entire uh, Inglewood community. We have uh, tons of uh, other organizations that's, that's uh, working together to uh, make a difference in our community, to make it a safe and peaceful environment. Right. I mean, that is, it's the definition of turning pain into power, Ms. Ray. It's, it's really inspiring. Ooh, yeah. You sound like a really busy woman with a mission. You've got a full-time job. You've got all of this going on. When you became a grandmother, did that change the way that you were motivated around this? You tragically lost your daughter, which is just so painful. And then you lost what sounds like a really precious grandson that you had a really special relationship yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like as a grandmother that there's a particular role that grandmothers can play and are playing that, you know, we should be paying attention to? Oh, absolutely. We have the key. <laughs> we I have think the so key. too. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> we have the key. I mean, we, we have our children and they're, and they're a mother, but we have, the grandmothers have the key to the answers. We have the key. We've been on this earth longer than them. We have experience more than them. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Our, our key is that we, we have the key to knowledge. Mm. I mean, we know our children are mothers, right? Correct. Right. And, but our key is a little different because, like I said, we've been here longer. We have more experience. And we can see our grandchildren on a totally different level then our own children can see their children. We can be a little more understanding because we we just have that knowledge. We have this undying infinity love that we have for these grandchildren. And I'm not saying that that our children can't love their children, you know, more than we can, but it's just different because I had this child and she had their child, but in a sense, I had them both. Right. And you know what I hear from a lot of grandmothers is that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense to me. I'm learning a lot from all, all you grandmothers is that, yeah. you know, I'm so busy. I have these two teenage boys and I'm so busy raising them and trying to make, have them become good people in the world. But my mother and the other grandmothers I talk to, they talk to me about how they see the grandchildren without all that worry about parenting and they see them a little bit more for who they really are. And then they also think yeah. about the future and what That's those what grandchildren are That's inheriting. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm so worried yeah. about the right now. But when I hear the grandmothers speaking, they're looking into the future and they're thinking about how do they make a contribution now to make that world a better place. Exactly. Because, we, you see, we look past our children and we have to go to the, to the grandchildren because the grandchildren is our future. Right. It's the world's future. So we kind of look past our children because we didn't raise our children. Now we have to instill our knowledge, our wisdom into their children, which is our grandchildren. Right. When I saw chess, I was like, I'm good with this. 
Yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> no kidding. I'm okay. Yeah. Okay, we got our tool now. We got our tool. Right. I can't thank you enough because I just think that it's brilliant and I hope that uh, this will inspire other people to do the same thing. Well, we our plan is to take it all over the world. And have people been in touch with you to talk to you about this? I, I know that you did. I've seen a couple of interviews with you. Have you had people from other places get in touch with you, interested in what you're doing? Well, I had uh, a lady come in from Germany and came to the police station and did an interview. I did it on CBS uh, Channel 2 News. A guy from Minnesota put us in, in his uh, newsletter. Also, there's an organization called Teamwork Inwood. They support us wholeheartedly all the time. And then there's another organization called Patrick Lives On. This lady lost her son, and they uh, they also donate. And uh, Joseph and uh, uh, Lindy, uh, they donate. It, it's wonderful. Yeah, I don't want to leave, leave anybody out, you know. And Ms. Ray, I, I hope that a lot of people listen to this podcast and learn about what you're doing and get inspired to do the same and get in touch with you and that more mm-hmm. support comes as a result of it. And it's yeah. just been wonderful to hear your story and as much as you too stay in I'm, touch yeah I, I mean I, my heart goes out to you you you've suffered so much loss but how you've turned it around to reach so many children and to do the kind of work you're doing is uh it's really beautiful and extraordinary thank you so much i appreciate you reaching out to me too as well to listen to my story i yeah. want to hear my story Yeah, it was a real privilege. It was really wonderful to speak to you. Thank you so much. Take good care, and I hope I'm going to follow everything you're doing. I want to know what happens. Thank you so much. But you've got not before my parents' Chess Against Violence International. I'm I'm going to be supporting you. Yes, 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 for sure. Okay. Absolutely. I like this. Okay. Bye bye. Okay, Ayala. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.